Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Amen. If you love it, come on, give him a hand of praise this morning. Oh, yes, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. As you're being seated, turn to somebody and say, I don't know about you, but I love God. Well, I know all of you do, and I'm thankful for that. I know all of you are here because you are in expectation of what God can do. You're here to worship and give Him praise and offering of thanksgiving, so that's what we are here to do. I'm so glad that... Hey, I'm glad I don't have to be here by myself to do it. That's, that's, that's not as fun. That's not as fun. And, but I've done it, right? Amen? Um, in fact, I would dare say there's probably not an hour of the day or night I haven't been here giving God praise and glory in prayer. Um, because I believe that this is what God's putting this place here for. Uh, he's building a platform not for any person or any one person's ideology or 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 any one person's uh, fame or anything like that. He's, he's building a platform here. One day when I was praying at this altar, I um, just saw just a quick flash in my mind like God was building a, a candlestick for this place. And he's, um, he's getting us ready to, to make us a light to the community, to the world around us. Because I don't know about you, but I think the world may need it just a little bit. I'm going to stand here until y'all get it. (laughs) I got time. I got time. I actually had breakfast this morning, so I could go for another three or four hours, right? (laughs) Some of you that excite, some of you it makes nervous. It's okay. (laughs) It's all right. No, no, I I appreciate you being here. I really do. And and I know that God is, is, uh, God is up to something. I know that he is. Um, I really hope that you're able to somehow catch what we're doing on Wednesday night in that Bible study, whether it's online or whether it's here uh, live, because um, I know that God is is really trying to get a hold of our attention, that we would hold on to our faith in such a time as this, um, that God is calling those 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 of us to be faithful no matter what's going on in the world, no matter what's happening in the world, calling us to to be the Daniels and the, uh, the Ezekiels and the Esthers and um, the Nehemiahs and the Ezras, those to be faithful over what his calling is, no matter what's going on in this world. So, um, And, and I, I've heard my share of that too, amen? <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say, oh, this is, this is coming, this is bad, this is here, this is that, and and it's okay to realize there's a reality of what's going on in the world, but we have to make sure that we always process that reality of what's going on in the world with the greater reality 
of what God is doing in the midst of that. Amen? Amen. Good to have everybody this morning. If you have your Bible, turned with me to Acts chapter 2. Yes, here we go again, but you don't have to be here for that much longer. We've just got a couple of more Sundays to do this. Uh, then I've actually, God's already been downloading into my spirit what we're going to be jumping into after that. And I'll let you in on that uh, next week. But this week and next week are going to be the, the last of this, uh, this series that we've been kind of going over and talking about, about what is the, the, the true church about? What is, what is that, that beginning church? What were they about? So we can make sure that we have a heart check to make sure that, that we, not just the, the walls that we sit in, but most importantly, the, the people who are here, what are we to be about? What are we to make, make our, our our mission about, our, our vision and our mission about. So Acts chapter 2, verses 40 through 47. We're going to read that, and then we'll be jumping over a couple of different other scriptures as well. So, but Acts chapter 2, 40 through 47 says, And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Now, I've not ever really dove into this, but I do want to stop for just about five seconds, plus or minus five minutes, uh, just to kind of let us know that that phrase, perverse generation, and some of you have different, uh, maybe a different translation that actually may help you out in this, but it basically means a crooked generation, a generation that's going in the wrong direction. In, in the Greek, it's actually the same root word that we get scoliosis. That, that there is this, this thing that's supposed to be straight and, and bound together and working together in perfect operation, and yet there is something pulling it to one side or to the other side. And we believe that, of course, is the fallen nature and the sin nature of man and the enemy stirring that pot, pulling a generation of people away from the true reality and the true design of what God has for His people. All right. If ever there was a time where we could look and see that even we got to be careful, even the church itself, if we're not watching carefully, can very easily be swayed and pulled in a direction where it's about our desires and man's desires and not about what God's design is for us, for his people and for his will to be done. So that's when it says, let's get out of this perverse generation. Basically, he's saying straighten up. All right. He's saying, let's straighten up. And that's what God wants us to do is to straighten up. Now, not through condemnation, but he's letting us know that we're, we're heading as a people group. If we're not careful, we're heading in the wrong direction where it's more about self-justification than it is about God's righteousness working in our life. So turn to your neighbor and say, straighten up. Right? This is a good time for you ladies to take advantage of that. Straighten up, moving the prophetic over them. Slap them, you know, do do the Benny Hinn thing. Slap them on the head. Tell them straighten up, right? Uh, <laughs> perverse generation, be saved from that. Verse forty-one. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about three thousand souls were added to them, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, the fellowship, and the in the breaking of bread and in prayers, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together, and they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and their goods and divided them among all as anyone would have need. 
So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bre- breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all of the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Father God, we, we need you, Lord. We come to you, God. We come to you and... In a, in a sense of humility that we recognize, we recognize, Lord, that our, our own selfish ways can draw us away from your design for our life and what you desire for us. And I pray, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the name of Jesus Christ and through the, 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 the teaching and the washing of your word that you would help us, Lord, to be straight, straight with you, honor you fully, wholly committed. God, I just pray, Lord, for this word today, that it go forth not in my power or my ability, but it go forth in your spirit, in your word, in your ability, in your power, so that it may, it may speak life into us and encourage us with fresh fresh faith. Lord, we love you, and we need you, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Just real quick, couple of announcements. I kind of jumped ahead of myself. First of all, Thank you, a big thank you to Pastor Jonathan, who's getting the youth back up and going again on Wednesday nights. That's again for ages uh, 7th through 12th grade. Getting that rolling, getting that going. Um, they, they had a good time Wednesday night. And, and hey, as a Bible study and the adults down here, I have a good time listening to them up there. I really do. I love hearing that life going on. We are, <clears throat> I am right now in the beginning stages in the process of getting the children's ministry back going. So now that we've got that back up and running and going, we're stepping on into the children's ministry. So if those of you that want to help out in that, please let me know. And I'm going to be calling on a few people. Please be praying because we need a children's leader. We need someone to take over that role completely um, and, and take it and do something amazing with it as God uses them in an amazing way. So as a church, can y'all help me pray for that? Okay. How about the rest of you? <laughs> help me pray for that, really, um, because I know that uh, God has some big plans for this church, and we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can to be in alignment with that. So please be praying for that. That, that God either raises someone up or sends someone in or whatever the case may be. Or, hey, maybe he can Holy Ghost clone somebody, right? <laughs> uh, however he wants to do it, we'll be glad to move with him in doing that. So that is coming up in, in the up and coming few weeks. Um, we are also, we need a lot of prayer because we're, we're also in the process of trying to figure out, hey, we're about out of room here. In fact, I've had to add more chairs and, and, and try to get as much room as we can, um, and I'm sorry I even had to put some front, really, really front pews up here, so that's why it's a good thing they have on their masks and stuff, because y'all are in the splash zone right here, so I can't promise what's going what's to come out, but, um, but I appreciate you guys being here, and, and we are in the process now also of trying to figure out how 
we are going to get more room and move over to that next, uh, to, to the sanctuary area as fast as possible, even if that means we may be a little uncomfortable for the time being. But that's all right. How many of y'all can sweat for Jesus a little bit? Some of y'all are like, I don't know about that. <laughs> no, we're going to do as best as we can to, to get over there as quick as we can. It may not be, it's not going to be finished, of course, but we're going to try to start moving that way as fast as we possibly can. It, it's, ne- it's never fast enough, right? Because we all wanted it like six and a half years ago. Um, maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm the only one in here who struggles with patience. I'll, okay, thank you. I got two people that are honest in here that will say, well, maybe you're, you, maybe you're just you're hiding it on your mask. Maybe you're like, <laughs> you're <right. laughs> there you go, there you go. Maybe maybe it's not just me, but I struggle with patience too. So so you know, we're but we are we're working on that as as hard as we possibly can, and and I know that it's up and coming. So. Uh, having that been said, on the first of every month, we are still taking up a building fund offering to get over there as fast as we can because we've got some some big chunks to have to pay for to get to that point. But, hey, I really believe with everything in me, God's got this. I do. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, God has got this, and I just can't wait to see what he's going to do. Amen? All right. I think having said that, that's all of the announcements. We will take up the offering at the end of the service again like we have been doing. So just kind of let you give a, give you a heads up on that. So, all right, here we go. Let's dive back into what we're talking about here. Uh, um, here we have here, of course, this this birth of the what the Bible calls a vital church that's growing, this group of people that's, that's moved from 120 now to 3,120 and growing on a daily basis, and which means God is really up to something. He's, he's getting a foundation going, and we have been talking about that foundation and what they've been doing in that. And So really, if you want to look at this from maybe a little bit more of a business standpoint, and I know we don't like to talk about business and church together, but can I tell you the, the honesty of it? This is God's business. All right? This is God's business. Um, this is this is how he's working. This is how he's moving. This is how he's doing. Faith is our first and biggest commodity that 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 he has given us to use and to be able to sow that faith back into a belief in a system that we know that God's going to use it to build his church. And and so in that respect, with a little bit of that model to look at, <clears throat> we we have this this vision statement that Jesus Christ himself said and passed on to his disciples. Now, we read it like it's not that big of a deal, but I want you to read it from their perspective for just a second. And I'm not really going to read it because most of you know it. We're just going to kind of quote that, paraphrase it, go through that. But Jesus, before he ascends into heaven, he tells them and gives them this vision and this charge. We call it the Great Commission, right? We call it the Great Commission because we're all salesmen, right? No, that's not what he's saying. But he's calling it the Great Commission because he's saying this is what this is to be all about. Here's my vision that I have for the church. And the disciples are like, oh, this is exciting. This is really good. Jesus is, even though he's going to go away, he's going to give us this vision that we can rally around. And isn't that exciting? And I bet his vision will be so cool that it'll be like God wants to just stir up a revival in our hearts and make us this really neat little group, right? Isn't that great? 
And Jesus says, well, not really, not, not quite. And with the vision that I have for you may exceed and, and go abundantly above and beyond what you could even ask or think. Because I know you are getting caught up just in how Jesus and, and how God is working in you and how God is using you like fishermen and tax collectors and, and women and those people who are not really supposed to be used in a religious fashion. And Jesus shows up and says, hey, I've done great things in you. God's done great things in you in you and the Holy Spirit's going to come on you and he's going to give you this power and we're like yes this power to live in a way God wants us to live and Jesus says and I'm not stopping there you know what God convicted me not too long ago a few months ago and he in my prayer time when I'm praying for honestly as big as my mind can conceive on on what's going on because I don't know maybe you're like me but when I'm praying, oftentimes there's this little boxing match that goes on inside of my head. Yeah, that explains a lot, I know, okay? And this boxing match is like, hey, I believe for this. And this is this big move of God in whatever way I want to define that. Maybe for you, a big move for God is, of God in your life is just to be set free from some, some substance or some fear or some doubt or depression or something like that. Maybe that's a huge move for God in you. And, and there's nothing to be ashamed of that. But as I was giving God my huge move, then the other boxing, it's like that other side. Y'all seen those commercials where, or I mean those cartoons that have an angel on one shoulder? And a devil on the other show, I'm dating myself because I'm talking like Tom and Jerry stuff. <laughs> All right. I'm talking old school stuff. Bugs Bunny. Come on, somebody give Bugs Bunny a hoo-hoo, right? There you go. All right. The good cartoons. Kids nowadays don't know what cartoons are. We know what good cartoons are, right? But that's the way I feel where you got an angel on one side. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do this. And yet... Well, this other dude on the other side saying, yeah, but this is how it can happen. Right? Here's all the things that shows you that it can happen. And then the angel's like, yes, it can. And no, it can't. And yes, it can. And then it was in a boxing match one day, very early in the morning where I was praying that God stopped that boxing match. And he was like, ding, ding, get in your corner, get in your corner. And like Rocky's trainer, he came up to me and he yells at me. He says, you're thinking too small. Try this side. You're thinking too small. See, I'm thinking, let's just, what, what's the bare minimum we can do to get there? What are, what are this, these simple signs that I can see that I'm getting better? What are some of these things that, that I just want to see how God's setting me free? And maybe God wants to set you free, but maybe he even wants to do more than that in you. What if God's vision for you is bigger than your own vision for God? Okay. What if God wants to do more than what you can ask or think? How many of you ever read the book of Ephesians? Read it. Fall in love with it. It's an amazing book. So God said, you're going too small. And that's exactly what Jesus said to the disciples. They're all excited because what Jesus is doing in the 120, we're like, yes. Then Jesus lowers the, just drops the bomb on them and says, and now I'm calling you to go to your neighbors. Go to Judea. Go to this, this, this community around you and start doing that. And they say, okay, we can do that. 
We can do that. That's no problem. We can handle that. We've already been there in some cases, right? And then he says, then go into Samaria. We're like, mm, that's a little bit of a stretch because you know the Samaritans. They're, 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 they're kind of stanky. They're kind of ugly. They're kinda, they, they don't really know what they're worshiping. They're, they're confused. They're messed up. They're crooked, right? Y'all know anybody that's stanky, confused, or crooked? Don't turn and look at your neighbor. Don't do that. But we all can probably think of a few people, right? And then, so then he's like stretching their faith a little bit, right? And just about the time that they swallow that pill and think, well, by the power of God, I think we can do that. I've seen Jesus do a work in Samaria. I think we can do that. And Jesus is like, I'm about to drop the mic because I want you to go into the rest of the world. And then he's like, mic drop, ascend into heaven. Now, for us who look at this on the other side of the world in, in our Western civilization eyes in a time in which you can get on this thing right here and call the other side of the world, or you can get on this thing right here in, in the Internet and look on the other side of the world in a matter of just a few seconds. Put yourself in their shoes or their, their flip-flops, right? Put yourself in their sandals. When Jesus tells them, you're going to go into the rest of the world, Right? Right? Because you're talking about something impossible for them to do in their own ability. And so Jesus says, but I've got a surprise for you. And it's a power from the Holy Spirit that's going to help you do this. So somebody needs to take about two seconds and praise God for a Holy Spirit power that takes you to a level of God ability instead of your own ability. Amen? 1,001, 1,002. Right? That's where God wants us to be. There's the place where we need to learn how to, how to abide in. There's the place where we need to learn how to seek God in. The it, Bible says it's without faith it's impossible to please him. And I'm going to just simply ask you what maybe Jesus is asking his disciples. Is, is this thing that, that you feel like God calling you to do and moving you to do and impressing you to do and impacting in your life, is that about what you can do? Or are you honestly to a place where you're like, God, I don't know how this is going to happen in my own ability and my own power, but I look forward to watching you do this. I want a front row seat to see how you're going to do this. And and this is kind of the vision statement where Jesus says, this is what I want you to do. And now we're seeing the mission statement in how they are to do this. Now, this seems very simple, but Jesus gave a promise that he'd use the simple things to confound the wise. This seems very simple, but here's this grand vision statement that sounds almost impossible for human nature to do and for human ability to do. Then we insert the power of the Holy Spirit, and now all of a sudden this doesn't seem quite so impossible because in one moment they speak in a language that is in multiple different languages, and the Bible says they all heard it, and they were like, wow, this is amazing. How many of y'all read Acts chapter 2? 
too, right? They're like, this is amazing, but it's not just the act that they were doing. The Bible says it was also what they were saying. Because the Bible says in all of these different languages at one time, they were speaking glory unto God. And there was such a move of God going on in this 120 that it caused at least 3,000 people to turn their heads and go, I want what they got. I want what they have. I want whatever excitement and fire is burning inside of their heart. I want what they have. I want to know that the praise that's coming out of their heart, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I want to know that if there's glory in their heart in such a way that it's coming out, how can I get to that point in my life? And it turns their attention in the right direction. And so all of a sudden you see all of these nationalities touched in a moment. And it's almost like you see Jesus up there going, told you so. Right? Told you. Told you this is the beginning of how I'm going to do this. This is it. And here's the mission on how you do this. First of all, you're going, to, you're going to do everything you can to teach my word. You're going to teach each other what I taught you. The apostles' doctrine, right? Then you're going to fellowship with one another. You're going to, and I talked about that, how that, that unites us. And that's, a, that's an intimate uniting and bonding together. Where we, where we can be okay to be vulnerable one to another. Let me do an example. And I'm going to lift my hand too because I know some of y'all may be hard to admit, but how many of you have struggled in your faith walk a little bit here and there? Oh, wow. Wow. You mean there are things that you come against that is a little bit more of a struggle and you've been serving God? Now, some of y'all have been serving God longer than I have. Why are you still struggling? Because we're still human nature, right? We, got the, we have this struggle, but I've often learned it is what God uses in the struggle and how we struggle to actually make us stronger. That the fact that you are struggling sometimes is really proof that says, I'm not giving up. I may struggle, I may wrestle, I may be down on the mat one day, but I'm going to get back up because though a righteous man falls seven times, I will get back up. God's going to pick me up. Jesus is going to dust me off. He's going to empower me with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to take another step. And I may go down again, but I'm taking somebody with me next time. I'm taking the enemy down with me, and we will struggle. We will fight if we have to, but I'm not giving up on this. So the enemy wants you to see your struggle as your weakness, but God wants you to see your struggle as you're still here. And the enemy has not ended your life yet, and the enemy has not ended you yet. You still have the strength it takes and the faith it takes, and he's not giving up on you either. Your struggle is actually a way to show God's strength, that he's got you. So this fellowship... Is a beautiful thing. And then he goes into the breaking of bread. And we talked about what that meant. Well, then today we're going to actually cover quickly the, the prayer part. And actually, I want to put two together. I tried to separate these out, but God was kind of leaning on. He's kind of, he said, lean, I want you to lean toward putting them together. Because you really, to have one, you got to have the other. And that is prayer and praise. But you got to have prayer and praise together. 
And there's, there's reasons why we, we can join those together and why those are woven so tightly together, this prayer and this praise. It's because, well, first and foremost, Jesus almost always did. Jesus almost always did. And, and in fact, there are 25 specific times. I'm not going to go through all of them because we don't have time. But 25 specific times Jesus Praise, or the Bible mentions Jesus specifically prays for something. And almost every time he says, Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Even in the hard times, even in the times where we see in John chapter 11, how many of you know that, that very famous passage of scripture that we all hopefully have memorized? The shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, right? That was our go-to verse to get candy in Sunday school. Do you memorize the verse? Jesus wept. Boom. Give me my blow pop. Right? Jesus wept. It was a time in which he was really down. Not necessarily the God side of him down, but a time in which his flesh was wrestling. When he's weeping over his friend that has just died and now they're converging on him Mary and Martha and they're saying where were you at if you were just here everything would have been fine and he's trying to say I'm trying to get you to believe that if I'm, I'm here now so everything's still going to be fine and oh no he's already stinking by now right so here we have this sad stinking situation and even in the saddest stinkiest situation I want you to see what Jesus says turn in your bibles to John chapter 11 verses 41 through 42 Jill did I give you that Okay good thank you cuz I couldn't remember if I did that or not John chapter 11 verses 41 through 42 Here we have Jesus addressing Mary and Martha and the whole Lazarus situation, the whole sad, stinking situation. And what does Jesus do in the middle of it? He tells them to roll away the stone. And so verse 41 picks up with the fact that they did. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying. As if it can't be any worse than that. It's like they're describing how bad this is. This is stinking. This is dead. This is sad. From our perspective, this is impossible. And Jesus lifted up his eyes. Maybe there's a big hint for you. Maybe there's a big key for you. How many of you are ready to lift your eyes to heaven instead of your eyes to the media? Right? Okay. And this is what Jesus says in the middle of a really bad situation. Father, thanks. Thank you. Thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because the people who are standing by want to know and believe and believe that you're working in me, basically he goes on to say, let this be done. But how does he begin this? With thanksgiving, with praise, with honor unto God. Now, there are 600, over 650 different times the Bible talks about prayer. That's a lot, right? And I realize that even now I run the risk of talking about a subject in which we all think we know everything there is to know about, right? 
When we say, when we say like, well, he's going to talk about prayer of faith. Well, that's the same thing we've heard 57,000 times, right? And I realized that in that temptation of, of backing off away from teaching a subject like this, I think that now is the time more than ever that the church better know how to pray. I think that now is a time in which the individual better know how to pray and better learn how to take advantage of that. Because if the Bible says 650 times to pray or about prayer or, or, or what happens when we pray, that's pretty important. That's pretty important. Prayer mentions 650 times. In fact, the Bible also mentions five different bodily positions to be in when you pray. Second Samuel says to sit when you pray. Mark 11 says uh, you can stand or kneel. Chron- Second Chronicles 6.13 says and Daniel 6 and Luke 22 and Acts and, and Ephesians, they all say to pray with your face toward the ground. Matthew and Mark say to uh, pray also with your face toward the ground. And then Timothy says to pray with your hands lifted high. So you think, well, okay, what's the magic formula? When do I do what? <laughs> here's, here's, I think, the point of it. The point is not a magic formula where if you feel this, you do this, or if you feel that, you do that, or if you want, you know, if you want more money in your bank account, then you, then you kneel on your knees, right? Or, or if you want uh, more favor with the people that you work with, well, then you just sit down. Or if you want more favor from God, then you lift your hands up in the air. I don't think that's the point. Here's the thing that I think is the point. Whatever, you, whatever you're doing and whatever your position you're in, whether you're standing, whether you're sitting, whether you're raising your hands or whether your head is bowed, whatever you're doing, the proper position and posture of prayer is thanksgiving. It's thanksgiving. And I realize that the, the biggest reason why most of us pray is to get some help, right? And that's not a bad thing. In fact, there's no other better place to go get the help that you need. Amen? Oftentimes, we're like this, this little kid in the country church, and we, can, we, we, we know a little bit about that. This is before children's church and before all of that was going on. But, you know, back in that country church, all the kids had to learn how to sit in church and, and, and had to learn how to, to deal with things. Well, every once in a while, a kid would get unruly. And this old country church had a five-year-old boy, and he was just acting up. He was making a fool of himself. He's, he's all, doing all kinds of stuff. He's making all kinds of noise. Finally, the dad had enough of it and said, if you don't be quiet, I'm about to take you out. And you know you're in trouble when, the, when you get talked to through the grit of your teeth. I'm about to take you out if you don't stop it. With a little boy testing his limits, started making more noise, and he actually threw a piece of trash over into two pews ahead of him. So dad said, that's it. And he grabs that boy up, slings him on his shoulder, and as he's taken off through down the aisle to the, to the door to go to the outside, just about the time they almost hit the door, the boy yells out, y'all better start praying. <laughs> well, that, that, that's us, right? <laughs> I understand, you know, the blue lights turn on in the rearview mirror, like, oh, Lord Jesus, get me out of this ticket. If you do, I promise I'll never speed again, right? You know, or you're about to walk into a doctor's office, and you're like, Lord, just let the cholesterol count be perfect, and I promise I'll never eat another corn dog ever as long as I live. 
knowing good and well I'm just a lie, <laughs> right? So I realize that that oftentimes is what we think about, about a posture of prayer. But Jesus actually says, no, it's, it's to have a, a posture of appreciation and praise. In fact, um, there was a time in Luke 11 and 1. I want you to turn there real quick. Luke 11 and 1, there was a time in which the disciples are watching Jesus. The disciples are watching Jesus and they're, they're, they're learning. Wait a minute. Did I give you that one? Okay. I know I'm going out of order for a second, but I, I'm, I got, a, got a plan here. Okay, Luke 11 and 1. The disciples have been watching Jesus and they're seeing that, that Jesus' life is, is not like the, the, the normal lives of those around him. That they're actually seeing that God's using him and there, there's this power that's flowing through him. And, and, and they see that he's got this authority that the other religious leaders don't have. And, and when he teaches, there's this clarification and revelation that comes with it. And people are being healed, all this special stuff. So they're watching Jesus. And it's amazing to me why there was only one. But out of all of the disciples that are watching Jesus, only one, one finally says this. It says, now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place, when he stopped praying, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. In the original language, he doesn't say teach us how to pray. And I know how there, there is some translations that kind of lean toward that. But in the original literal translations, they're not asking how to pray. They're, 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 this one in particular, to be unnamed, we don't know who this is, but one in particular saying, Jesus, I'm connecting something here. That I am seeing you still often, you pray a lot. And then I'm noticing that, that when you come back from prayer, it is almost like you are at one with the will of God and the power of God just flows through you. Light bulb. That's why Jesus goes into this, this Lord's Prayer, which most of us have probably heard or memorized. But the very first part of the Lord's Prayer is what? Our Father who art in heaven. What? Praise be to you. Praise you. Honor you. I recognize that you are great. That's why Psalm 145 and 3 says, there you go, Jill. Psalm 145 and 3 says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. How awesome is that to meditate on that, to think on that, to, to, to study on that. How awesome that is. And Jesus, before he drops the mic and ascends to heaven. He says, you want to know your key to be able to do something that is impossible for you to do? You want to know your key to get connected with the power of the Holy Spirit? You want to know your key? He says, pray. Wait here in Jer Jerusalem and pray. Pray. Get together and pray. Come together and pray for God to do something special. 
Pray. There's your key. Prayer. Prayer is that key. What that means is this, is that prayer is, when, when you pray, what you're doing is actively taking your faith and using it to step into the promises of God that He makes to you instead of the promises you make to God. Because I know I'm not going to sound very preachery when I say this, preachy. But there have been times that I've promised God things and I struggled to keep that promise. But I've learned that if I take advantage of His promise to me, that this faith walk does not become about my ability only, but about this way that He's made for me to be able to do this. Prayer is stepping in, actively taking your faith and stepping into God's promises towards us. You realize when he when he was on the cross and he opened up the veil, and he says it's finished and the veil in the temple rent, rent, ripped from top to bottom. He exposed that that place where the high priest would go in. And ask for God's atoning mercy to cover them. Right? And Jesus is saying, I'm making, giving you access at any time you need it. That's my promise to you that I'll meet you there. In that. Prayer is how you make this connection with God. Prayer is, is how you have this spiritual communion with God. Prayer is how you come into proper alignment with God. Jesus said to love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. You realize that prayer is the action of doing that? Especially when you literally, physically pray. It is that action. It's putting faith and action together. It's putting faith and works together. And then there's this life that's quickened in you. Prayer is so important. Prayer is so important. Carter Conlon writes this in his book, It's Time to Pray. He says, God wants to work in and through our lives. But too often we forfeit his hand upon us because we are dead to prayer. Dead to his word. And lacking in faith. Trying to live in the natural. Which never brings about God's power and redemptive work. We have got to come to that place where we finally just agree with God. That we are living in the natural instead of in the spirit. And stop making excuses for our lack of strength. Or our lack of influence. Or our lack of bringing life into our homes or communities. Because we lack the outwardly working of the Holy Spirit. For 120 people in the early church were able to change the world through the gospel because they were empowered by God's Spirit through prayer. Prayer is very important. When I think about this, I think about a, a, another little fellow 
one who had been got one who had gotten in trouble and he had been sent to his room by his mom and she said now you go in your room and you think about it and if you even if you feel like it you ask God to pray or you pray to God you ask him to help you so this little boy went into his room and about 30 minutes later he comes back out and he looks at his mom wipes tears from his cheeks and he says mom I thought about it and I prayed I prayed prayed hard prayed as hard as I could Mom looked at him and said, well, I'm so glad you did, son, because I really believe that if you pray, if you pray that God would help you to be a better person, that he will. And the boy wipes the other cheek and says, Mom, I didn't pray to God to help me be a better person. I prayed that God would give you more patience. It's not just about trying to make yourself a better person. It's about connecting with the presence of God and having his presence living in your life and active in your life. Prayer is super important. I'm going to close with this last. I could go forever on prayer. But I want to give us just an opportunity to do so at the end of this service. But I close with this last illustration actually written by Robert E. Lee at a very crucial time in the, in the government and in the country. He says this, knowing that intercessory prayer is our mightiest weapon and the supreme call for all Christians today, I pleadingly urge our people everywhere to pray believing that prayer is the greatest contribution that our people can make in this critical hour. I humbly urge that we take time to pray, and I sincerely mean to really pray. Let there be prayer at sunup, at noonday, at sundown, at midnight, at all hours of the day. Let us all pray for our children, for our youth, for our aged, for our pastors, for our homes, for our families. Let us pray for our churches. Let us pray for ourselves that we may not lose the word concern from our Christian vocabulary. Let us pray for our nation. Let us pray for those who have never known Jesus Christ and His redeeming love. Let us pray for moral forces everywhere to be employed. Let us pray for our national leaders let prayer be our passion. Let prayer be our practice. We're always kind of searching for that perfect mix of, of faith and works and, and supernatural and natural, spiritual and, and, and flesh. We're all, kind of, we're all kind of searching for that, that, that perfect mix. Prayer is the place in which all of those things converge, come together at one point in time. And God oftentimes allows us to get to the point where we realize in prayer that we can't do this without us. And God says, that's right where I want you to be. Because this is where my strength can be made perfect in your weakness. Steph, can you come play, please? Again, I could talk for hours and hours on prayer. I'm out of time. But if you want to go to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 
through 18. It'll be on the screen if you've already put your Bible away or your phone away or whatever. It says, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. That means don't ever get to a place where you stop praying. Right? Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How many of you have honestly said, God, I want to know your will? I know I have. Man, that's been a big one in my life. It has. God, I've always said, God, I just, I just want to be your, in your will. I just want that because I know your will is going to, it's going to be okay if I'm there. Can I give you a big key to staying in the will of God, being in the will of God? Don't make it more complicated than it is. Here it is, right here. Right here. Right here. This dependence on God. This, this, this coming to know Him in, in, in the joy of His, of His presence. This, this rejoicing in Him. Even as Jesus walks up and sees a dead, stinking situation, the first thing He does is, God, I, Father, I rejoice in what You can do with this. And I want to come into alignment with this. This is the will of God that you pray. Now, I know this can be intimidating for some of us who you don't really, you, know, you don't feel like you're a good prayer. You know, I, I get that. I get that. But how I many of you praise God that this is not based on your ability? This is based on His ability. It, it's not about just that you're an extra special prayer because you know how to say the right words, right? You know, when, when, I, when I grew up, when, when the preacher was really getting serious about prayer, he'd use words like thine and thou and art, right? And you think, whoa, he's getting deep. That's not what, that's not what it's about. It's about you taking off everything Every robe that's between you and God, this, this, just unrobing yourself of all of the doubts and the fears and all the things that you've tried to cover yourself with. And you just unrobe and you come before the presence of God to say, here I am. Do your best work with me. Because I believe you can. I know you can. Would you stand with me? give us an opportunity to pray. I'm going to pray and we're going we're gonna to bless the offering. We're going to bless this, this time. But then really, I want to step away from the microphone because I want you to take a moment and pray. I want you to take a moment and pray. If you have your offering, you, you're welcome to get that now. And when I say amen, you can come up and give that. If you want to pray right here at the altar, I'll be glad to pray with you. Be glad to pray for you. If there's something that you need prayer for, or you just feel like coming here and praying, that's fine. If you want to pray right where you're at, you want to put the offering in, then go back and, and kneel or sit or whatever it is, whatever way you feel like praying. I just want you to just let's converge the supernatural and the natural for just a couple minutes. Can y'all do that? Father God, we just come before you, humbled but yet praising praising a God that we just sang in worship that there's no you have no rival you are the great powerful and living God 
You're the one we can put all of our trust and all of our hope in. You're the one that we are going to steadfastly come to you, consistently believing that you can do what we cannot do. I pray, Holy God, that if there is any heart in here that has been discouraged because they just don't feel as close to you as they want, I pray, Lord, that you would begin to peel back the layers of the heart and that you would take that heart and pour your Holy Spirit in it. I pray, Lord, that you would begin moving in the in, in just the desire for that person to be with you more and more and more and more and more. Lord, I pray for those that have allowed petty things to come between you and them. Lord, that they be washed in the blood of Jesus. I pray for those, those doubts and fears and regrets and, and, and depressions and sadness and discouragement that tries to creep in to keep us from praying. I wash them in the blood of Jesus right now. Lord, that you set them free. And I pray over the offering today that as we sow a seed into your kingdom, whether it's the building fund or the offering or boat, whatever, let it be done according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's it. That's it. That's it. 
Don't make it so complicated and so hard. Just come to him and say, Lord, there are times I don't even know what to say, but I'll let your spirit take over. Lord, I just know I need you. I need you to touch me. I need you to heal me. I need you to encourage me. I need you, Lord, because I want to make an impact in my life and, and those around me. I want to make an impact. Someone is saying right now, I, I want to impact my, my immediate family. My mom needs to know that you are God. Oh, Jesus, and I want you to use me for that. My coworker, he needs to know he's lost in a trap of sin. Lord, he needs to know that you are the great God that you are and greatly to be praised and that you can work in his life. Some of you know someone that has left the faith because they decided to go toward the route of self-justification and self-desire. You hold on to them in faith. You hold on to them knowing that God hears your every prayer. And God is deploying angels right now to move in that person's life, to put a person to, to connect that person with another person that's going to speak something into their life that's going to cause them to know the Lord again. Father, I pray, holy God, that you would move in us. Move in us. For all of those that are online and you want to see your homes affected for the glory of God. When everybody else goes to bed or when everybody else is, is off and away and you have the house to yourself, I want you to cover that house in prayer. Father, I pray now in Jesus' name that you draw us close to you. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Thank you for being with us here today, for being with us online. We love you very much. We're praying for you. Have a blessed week. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.